0: listening to the rent roll radio show with sterling chapman all right everybody thanks for coming back to the show we have a really special guest today it is reed guzins with wildhorn capital reed thank you so much for joining the show
1: today absolutely my pleasure mate thanks for having me
0: well reed we usually like to kick off our program and just asking our guests why should we listen to you
1: Uh, Australian accent, maybe? No. (laughs) Uh, Look, my whole story is the coming to America story, expat dream to move here. And we'll get back into that in a little bit. But um, what I currently do right now is is I'm the co-founder of Wildhorn Capital. Uh, We have about 1,700 units under management, $175 million worth of US multifamily and continuing to scale that. I'm also the best-selling author of a book, if you can see on, on the video, it's called Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. That is all the best episodes from my podcast, which I did, I started four and a half years ago and it's still going today, jammed into a book about, in and around my story. And, and my real message is for people that if, if I can move to this country with, with limited funds, limited experience... And within nine years, get achieve financial freedom and, and, and quit my job and get comfortable being uncomfortable, then so can the average listener. So, hopefully, today's show is going to be a little bit of inspiration about the, the, my story, but people can get some inspiration and get off the fence and, and take some action and, and get going.
0: Awesome. Well, that, that's exactly what we're aiming to do. So, we're stoked to have you here. So, yeah, back up. Let's hear the story. Tell us about it. Tell us about where you're from, what you did before, how you got yeah. interested in real estate. Yeah,
1: just, just lay it sure. out. Sure. So clearly I'm from Australia. I already mentioned that. My, I call my deep Southern accent, the really Southern accent. <laughs> so all the way from down under. Yeah. So my journey started, my background's in structural engineering. I graduated university in 2007. Aussies have this thing in our DNA that we love to travel abroad as soon as we leave university because we're, we're all the way isolated down under by ourselves. And we, so
0: we all, we all want to go to Australia. <laughs> yeah,
1: you can, it's easy. You just just get on a plane. So Really, as soon as I finished university, I got a job in London working on the 2012 Olympic Games, but in 2008 as a building up the infrastructure and I got a job as a structural engineer. Did that for a year, then went to the south of France and worked as a, as a deckhand on the mega super yachts of the world for, for a Russian billionaire. And if you've ever seen Below Deck on, on uh, Bravo, it's exactly the same thing. And during that time, I met my then girlfriend, now wife, Erica, who, who is American. And um, we, we fell in love. And so spent a couple of years abroad. And then when I moved back to Australia in 2010, I, I got back to my, my cubicle and my, my day job. And after spending two years abroad, I fell in love with this girl who lives halfway across the world. And I, I said to myself, I've got I to somehow, I don't want to sit in this cubicle for the next 40 years of my life. And, and I really need to, I felt like I was a, a star athlete watching my life go by. And uh, I stumbled across the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was the first aha moment of the journey. It, it really opened my eyes to what entrepreneurship was. I didn't even know what that word meant. And it really started to paved the way or ignited the light within me to go off and, you know, trying to conquer this thing called financial freedom. Through that, given that I was working for developers and as a structural engineer, I was on site during the, you know, doing, building a lot of stuff in Australia and across the globe. It sort of got me thinking, well, maybe I should do real estate. And, and that's where it really got me started. And I think after, you know, in 2010, 2011, in Australia, I was learning as much as I could about just getting involved in real estate investing, and in an Aussie, it's you know flipping, and it's a little bit of a different market to to here in the states. But at the same time, really wanted to move back to to New York City because I'd fallen in love with New York City at the time, you know, through my my travels, and 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 I wanted to be with Erica, and Erica had actually moved out to Australia to do a master's degree, and she finished that at the end of two thousand and eleven, and we just said, screw it, let's 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 I'm gonna quit my job, I'm gonna move to New York, we're we're gonna move to New York. She's obviously American, so she's got the citizenship issue covered but I had to get a job as a structural engineer and so I had three months on a tourist visa and I knocked on every single door I could that that I thought would be less than 30 people because if they had less than 30 people they would not have a HR company or HR (laughs) department so they couldn't then see my resume and say "Oh, throw it out the window because he's he's an Australian educated and I eventually got it within like I think a month I, I got a job and got the visa and that was the first hurdle and literally after I got that job I was at my first New York RIA, Real Estate Investment Association, the, the RIAs of, of America. And I, by gosh, I thought Australia had some great, you know, networking events. New York was on steroids and I was like taking information out of a fire hose. And this was early 2012. And, and because I'd spent the last couple of years self-educating, you know, remember I picked up the book Rich Dad put in 2009. So there was a couple of years of self-education in Australia. I had to change my mind about the lingo here in the United States. And and so, but I was very much eager to get going. And, and what I noticed when I first moved to the United States was the barriers to entry here in markets outside, I call secondary and tertiary markets, outside of, you know, the Big Apples and the LAs and the San Francisco's and, you know, Austin's and the, the Chicago's, there were some really quite affordable places. And, and I found a suburb, a submarket called Syracuse, which was a four-hour drive away. And, and, and so, it was in, you know, reachable distance if I ever needed to get there. And I, I said, you know, screw it, I'm going to go start investing in these little 38000 $40,000 triplexes. And I think within six months of moving to the United States, I had my first property purchased so that's that's the start of the coming to america story so so yeah
0: awesome well that's an awesome story so i'm guessing you don't still invest in thirty thousand (laughs) dollar
1: not anymore but it was good for all those listeners out there it was i was standing on the subway reading these books getting as much educated as i could but there was, no, there was no education like actually going off and doing it. And I had got to that point, sort of two and a half years of self-education, some in Australia, some in the United States. I just needed to pull the trigger. And you needed and, to take action. To do I needed something. to take action, right? And, and, yeah. and you don't get to deal number 10 without doing deal number one, right? right. So I needed to start somewhere. And, and for me, I didn't know what a credit score was. I didn't know what an <laughs> LLC was. I didn't know what an EIN number was. So I had to use my, a little bit of money that I saved and I bought it all cash because none of the banks were lending to me because I was fresh off the boat you know, new W-2, new social security number. So they didn't, I didn't have any credit. I was not credit worthy. And so I had to buy the, but, but I could buy a whole triplex for 38,000 bucks. And I was like, holy crap, I can't believe this. You know, in Australia, you would never find that. So it was just this whole, it was also an education in Class D neighborhoods, <laughs> Section 8 housing. <laughs> so, You know, this, this uh, white guy from Australia coming halfway across the world figuring out what a ghetto was was, was, was a, <laughs> bit a, a bit of a lesson. But it was, it, I, needed, I needed to do it, right? I needed, it was my own money. I was risking my own money to, to get an education. So it just got to the point where I was analysis paralysis. I just had to go and take action. So, Yeah. So yeah.
0: I got hung up. I don't remember where I heard. I think it was like a bigger pockets. I think they were talking about it. The law of diminishing intent. So mm-hmm. like you, when I read rich dad, poor dad, my head went on fire and I said, <laughs> I got, I got to do this. I got to, you know, and then, but I, I didn't have much money, but, but I was so intent on buying something because mm-hmm. I knew the longer I waited, the more of a chance that it would slip away from me. And I just had to right. get, get my feet wet and I had to dive in. So I went and bought, you know, the cheapest little single family house I could. And mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big hit or anything, but yeah, I, I never, I didn't stop after that. And I just,
1: <laughs> right, right. It got the, it got the snowball going, which is, right. which is you took action. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that first property, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to say the first six months was great on, on paper. It was great. After six months, we had to drive by shooting because one of the tenants sons was part of a local gang. So like. I learned really quickly what Section 8 housing was all about, but it got me started, right? It got me going in the multifamily game. It got me to deal number two and that deal number two got me to deal number three. And then, obviously, I've scaled from there since then. Now having 1,700 units, only in commercial real estate. I don't invest in in small multifamily anymore. But yeah, we can talk about how how I how I'd made that transition and, and you know the the slog in which you know I had to go through to get there.
0: Yeah, let's uh, let's hear it. Tell us about how you scaled. What you how did you go from the little triplex to what you're doing today?
1: Yeah. So the second aha moment came when I was. In New York City, end of 2013, a buddy of mine came down from Canada. We had actually studied. He's Canadian. He, he came to Australia and we studied at the University of Queensland civil engineering together. So we we're, were good mates. He was coming through for some reason, caught up for a drink and I was boasting. I was like, oh, mate, I've got these two or three little properties in upstate New York and I was looking at doing a flip in Philadelphia, but I was still working full-time as a structural engineer. And, you know, I'm boasting, I've got, you know, maybe $200,000 worth of a little, tiny little portfolio, but I was, I was building. And he goes to me, mate, that's great. And uh, he tell he goes on to tell me that he just closed on a 70 unit deal. And I said, you know, seven, seven zero. And he's like, yeah, seven zero, seventy 70 units. And I was like, how the hell did you do that? You know, my, my small time thinking was blown out of the water thinking that I did, you know, move to America and done all this great stuff and patting myself on the back, but he was over here doing 70 units. And so, he then goes on to explain about the, the power of other people's money, about getting a mentor. He was able to, to raise a half a million bucks from some friends and family. And he was able to get some seller carabac financing on a 70-unit property in in upstate, you know, somewhere in upstate British Columbia. And I just my mouth was on the floor. You know, it was just this second, you know, epiphany in life that I knew. And I knew leading up to that sort of conversation, I was starting to get to the end of my tether of I've got these little properties and I was meant to do a flip and the banks aren't really lending to me and my, my income's not really going up and I wasn't, hadn't achieved financial freedom. So I knew I needed to scale up and, and really that scaling up came with you know, the, the, the mentor. And Scott, my mate from Canada, he was like, yeah, my, my, my mentor helped me see the light and he then helped me see the light to say, okay, I need to go get myself a mentor. and I need to you know, use my mentor's you know, credibility to, to increase my credibility. And through that, that's that's what I did. That was the next step. So the next step was to go off and find a mentor, and I, I did that. And I found someone who aligned with who my interests. Someone who was in the multifamily game. Someone who didn't have a ton of experience. I think I was the second or third student they ever had. They only had done one deal before, but they were doing deals. You know, there's a lot of spruikers out there. Seven, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars for for mentorships, and I. I was not going to pay that. I knew that. I was like, screw that stuff. I'm I'm going to go to someone who's actually doing it. And and I did. And through that, through using him as a sounding board, I was able to start my podcast, which is called Investing in the US. And and really, I started to focus on finding investors and and cultivating a group of investors so I could go off and raise money. And and really, that's where the the, the podcast came about. Because I remember looking out in, in late 2013 and early 2014, when I launched the podcast, I was an international investor, so to speak. You know, I, I saw all the benefits of of investing here in the United States, but I wanted to share it with the world, you know, like was and a lot of other invest international investors wanted to bring money here. Like I come from a country where cash flow doesn't exist. I come from a country where large-scale multifamily doesn't exist. And we can get into that in a little bit, but this whole the leader of the free world, the United States is combination of these high appreciating markets like New York City and then these other secondary tertiary markets where you have the cash flow, but the appreciation maybe is not as high. You've also got these great financing options for, for, for commercial real estate. And so there was this, you know, and plus I was learning all the things like how to start an LLC, what is a multifamily, like how to get an EIN number, how to even go and get financing if you're an international person. And so I had a story to tell and that was where the podcast started from way back in 2014. And through that, I was able to attract investors and through that, I was able to partner with my mentor on some deals and I'd raise some money and, and you know, start raising money that way and build my credibility. And over a period of about two or three years, I, did, I think I did two or three deals with my mentor and then... I got the confidence that I could raise some money. I could do this by myself. I could underwrite deals. I could go and try and find deals. I, I, I then started branching off on, on on my own, and so that was the the scaling part. It was using the mentor's credibility, and we you know we formed a partnership. I introduced him to a friend of mine that went on to become his business partner, and they've gone on to have a successful career. But it was very much a he scratched my back, I scratched his. We we, we grew together. And that gave me the confidence to allow myself to go and say, well, hey, I'm going to go scale this thing and I'm going to go blow this out of the water. So that is how I got started. And then, you know, obviously three, four, five years later, I, I'm now own 117, uh, sorry, 1700 units in Texas and uh, Austin and San Antonio. So, so a, l- a lot of hard work in between, like don't get, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> over the hard work. You make work. it sound so easy. Because <laughs> here's the other beat, right? Working full time. One big thing I, f- I forgot to mention was that as a structural engineer, I knew that I made the pivot and, and I knew in 2014, I moved to LA where my, my wife is from. And I said, if I've got to keep working as a W2 for the next couple of years, one, because I didn't have a I had visa issues. Like I wasn't allowed to be in the country without having a job, right? Two, I hadn't married my wife yet. So we, you know, we couldn't get the green card. So I said to myself, well, if I'm going to, I've got a skill set here of structural engineering, project management, construction management, I'm going to go and apply for jobs uh, with developers. And literally there was no, this, I went to approach to a developer that I happened to be, my, my structural engineering company was consulting for, and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to get out of engineering and into the, the business side and into the ownership side. And they offered me a job like that because I had a skill set and I could continue learning and being surrounded by real estate development. And I did that in Long Beach, California. And I built over 500 high end luxury multifamily apartments over a period of about three and a half years. Learned the game inside out in terms of real estate ground up construction, whilst also doing multifamily deals on the side. Whilst also building the podcast, whilst also having a, a relationship with my wife, whilst also keeping myself sane. So there's a lot of hard work in there, a lot of times where, not necessarily dark times, but am I doing the right thing? Am I still pushing the needle forward? And I know a lot of probably the listeners out there today are struggling with that, right? They're spinning all the plates and they're thinking, geez, I, I can't get any momentum. And that is, you know, I'm here to tell you that there's ways in which you can still have momentum. It might not be necessarily in your specific business, but maybe you're able to take a skill set and go and work for someone who's in the real estate business full time to keep learning, to keep getting paid, to keep having the roof over your head, to keep having the bills paid and all that sort of good stuff. So yeah, that's (laughs) in a nutshell, that's the journey that's been over the last since pretty much since 2012. Awesome.
0: What a, what a great story. So then, you know, the next, next part of our program, we usually ask for the, the highlights and the lowlights. So mm-hmm. yeah, can you, can you showcase your, your biggest home run for us and then maybe tell us a, a horror story,
1: maybe oh, a, a gang yeah. drive by? <laughs> well, look, 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 uh, there's no home runs. There's no, there, there, I think one big thing, there's never a home run in real estate. There's only, in my mind, there's only runs on the board. And when you're building a portfolio of real estate investments, whether it be single family or small duplexes and triplexes or large multifamily, you're building consistency, you're building runs on the board. And and, and you guys talk about baseball and home runs, right? In, in Australia, we talk about cricket and cricket is you win a game of cricket by the more runs you have. So the more runs you have on the board, the more likely the team is going to win. So having those runs on the board, looking back, I think my biggest achievement is just that I did it right. I'm sitting here today. I, 10 years ago, I picked up the book, rich dad, poor dad. I'm now sitting here today talking to you. I had no idea, none whatsoever that I would be sitting here talking about. I own 1700 units and I I manage 1700 units and I've raised a ton of money and podcasts and all the books and all the good stuff. I I guess the, the biggest achievement to date has been that I can do it, right? I backed myself. I took this decision to leave my home country. And I was only coming here to to be an expat and work in New York City for a couple of years, and I was going to head home. All of a sudden, that turned turned upside down on its head, and 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 here I am, ten years later. So, so the victory, so to speak, is that you can underestimate what you can achieve in a year, but you can overestimate what you can achieve in a decade. And I'm example of that. If I can move to this country, I didn't have I didn't have a network here. I don't have family here. I didn't go to school here. I had very limited funds when I came here. I had no idea what the hell you know all the EINs and, you know, LLCs <laughs> and credit scores, but I got started, right? And, and if I can do it, so can you. And I, I, you know, encourage the listeners today, if anyone's sitting on the fence, use my story as an example, because I risked it all and, 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 and I'm still sitting here today, breathing and have a massive smile on my face. and so grateful for the opportunities that have come my way. So, so yeah.
0: So, so what advice, what other advice do you have for those listeners that are, that are maybe sitting on the fence?
1: you got to get you got to get started right Edu- so you got to first thing you got to get education that's probably the biggest thing and your people who are already listening to this show are getting free education podcasting and youtubes there's so much so much free information at our fingertips these days. So ignorance isn't an excuse anymore. You can find the answer to anything you want to do in, in, in really creating a business, real estate, investing, branding, whatever you need help with, you can get help with on the internet and for quite cheap as well. The second part is, is, is mentorship. I think it's super, super important because it, if you are the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. You need to surround yourself with people who you aspire to be. And mentors will change over time. And mine have definitely changed over time. I don't have that mentor from back in 2013, 14 anymore. We're now peers. We're now we're now equals, you know. So right. I've gone off and done my business and he's gone off and done his. But but I've got different mentors today that help me grow my business, become a better CEO, become a better leader. So really having mentors, and you might pay, you have to pay for mentors. They don't come free the act of parting way with money also meant that you're serious. You're buying into this idea that you're going to invest in yourself. And that's really, really important. You're investing in yourself. You're investing in your future. The second other big thing is mindset on the front end. So many people, so many people, go into this thinking, I'm going to be financially free in two years or 18 months. And some people do do that. Some weird, rare unicorn <laughs> of a person on bigger pockets can do it, right? <laughs> but the majority of us who have a life, who have jobs, who have bills to pay, who have visa issues like myself, we, it's going to take time. I, I use the example of like being fit or you know, being healthy or losing weight or all that sort of stuff. It doesn't happen in 30 days. You think I'm going to lose five pounds in 30 days. You may, if you ran a marathon every day, maybe, but no one has the, no one has the mental uh, you know, capacity to do a marathon every day. It is a journey. If you go into something saying it's going to take two years and you get to the end of two years and you haven't achieved that, you are so much more likely to quit at that thing than to keep going. But if you went in saying, okay, it might take me six, seven, 10 years to achieve what I want to achieve. Well, then you're in it for the long run. And that there is going to set you up mentally to allow yourself to enjoy the journey, and I think that's the real big part. So, so, so education, mentorship, and the right mindset on the front end is super important because so many people I see fail or give up because they think, oh, it's not the right time, it's the market, it's this, it's that. I don't have money, and you know, blah blah blah. It's it's consistency and it's persistence, and if you don't have those two things in spades you will fail. You will give up because you can't, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to think like, oh gosh, I can't keep spinning all these plates and doing all this work because it's not getting me anywhere. That is the exact time when you need to double down. That's the exact time where you need to go. I am doing the right thing. I am pushing forward. I'm going to create this business. I'm going to create this life for myself, a lifestyle and becoming an entrepreneur becomes part of your DNA. And that is the most important thing, you know, in this whole journey. And you also have to enjoy the journey because, we all will scale mountain tops and get to the summits and all that sort of stuff. But if you don't stop and enjoy the roses and enjoy the view sometimes, what's it all for? Right? So so yeah.
0: Man, you were you were just what I needed today. So it's
1: <laughs> ironic, you
0: know, we I do these interviews for the listeners, but sometimes it hits closer to home. So what type of properties are you investing in now?
1: Yes, very good question. So we are investing in value-add multifamily. And obviously, every man and their dog seems to be investing in value-add multifamily. We have a portfolio out of 1,700 units. We're looking to double that in the next two to three years. But we know that multifamily is becoming tougher and thinner. Your cash flow is harder. And so what we're doing is we're still investing in multifamily, but we're investing in urban really true core growth markets where barriers to entry for new product are hard to do. So what do I mean by that? I mean, well, ground-up construction, you know, cost of dirt's really high. Planning approval takes two to three years. Building construction risk, you know, you, you, you knock out a lot of the pretenders. And so when you're in markets like that, and I'm talking like Austin, growth markets like Austin, like Charlotte, Indianapolis, in certain, in certain areas of in Indianapolis, we're focused more on the Austin market and the growth story. But we, we're, we're doubling down because also that means where the job growth is, and you've got to follow job growth, you're going to have a good recession-proof asset. Even if it's not cash flowing today, it will cash flow over time. And the returns that people have got or seen since the recession, the last 10 years, has been silly and ludicrous and people have doubled their money in three years or five years. We're not in that decade anymore. That is gone. That is behind us. Take it from me. When I come from a country where you, if you double your money in 10 years, you're doing really well. We're getting back to that and that's just more of a normal normalcy in the market and and investors have got to adjust their their expectations. So yes, we're still investing in multifamily, but we're investing in the long-term, increasing our hold periods from five years to seven or even 10 years. We're also looking at other different types of multifamily product like low-cost housing, which has a low-cost housing component that will burn off in five to six years because when it burns off, I can increase it to market rent. So again, understanding where the risks are and, and, and having the right equity conversations where people understand why you would invest in this type of asset where the cash flow might be next to nothing right now, but in you know, five, six, seven, 10 years' time, you're going to blow it out of the park and, and and time with real estate is the biggest winner and people sometimes don't have, don't, are not patient enough Patience, and, they to have yeah. and they want to have it now. So yeah, so that, that that's where we're, and we might invest, start investing in other asset classes, but majority will invest in, in multifamily, whether it's ground up construction, existing, you know, some sort of weird HUD slash low cost housing that burns off in a little while or, you know, big value add where we can rip down and, and start again. Explain you know,
0: it, can you explain that a a little
1: bit, uh. yeah. There are existing apartments out there which have a maybe when they're first built in you know the 80s or 90s, they have a 20 or 25 year low cost housing component to them. And some deals come up for sale where that low you're, you're coming to the tail end of that low cost housing period and means that you can go and turn those low cost housing into full market rent apartments got and there's it. a lot of them around you know around every urban city you know New York Chicago you know, every city has them you've got to go finding them but you've got to understand why you'd invest them so they're capped at a you know a certain market growth every year I think it's is that
0: where they get tax credits to build there, it, there are, are some tax gave. credits involved there are some
1: tax credits have have to guarantee
0: for a certain number of years they'll rent to low income exactly and that's exactly the, it I got you okay. and then
1: it burns off right then right. they say okay I'm going to give you these tax credits for 15 years. Well, great. I'm coming to year 10. I want to sell this asset. Well, hey, I'm a, I'm a buyer. I, if that's burning off in five years, I know I can jack the rent from a dollar a square foot to you know, what market is. The market could be two bucks a square foot. Well, geez, I've just made some huge value add there. I've got to wait a little bit of time, but waiting's not, that's not a bad thing. The value of my assets still going to go up over time, particularly if you're investing in those, you know, those true growth markets we just spoke about where the job growth is. So there are different ways of looking at the same asset class, but different ways of getting a deal done. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Definitely. No, that, that's very forward thinking. I like it. Mm. So next we have our, our radio round. It's just a, sure. you know, a little fun couple of questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. First question is, what's your favorite book?
1: Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give two examples, two books. I've spoken at Rich Dad Porter. I think that's a great book for anyone need, needing to get a little bit of a kickstart in life. The second book I really love, it's from an Australian author. It's called Key Person of Influence. And it's got nothing to do with real estate, but it's got everything to do with how to brand yourself to become a key person of influence in your niche, in your sphere. And, you know, it's a great book. It's about, you know, online marketing and all that sort of stuff. And it talks a lot about you don't have to be the next Tony Robbins. You can be an influence within your sphere. And that's enough to raise, you know, a couple of million bucks and go off and do 1,700 units. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, to, to achieve financial freedom. And so you can be a voice within your sphere and it's a, about giving yourself the permission to go off and do that. So it's called Key Person of Influence by Dan Priestley. Very, very good little book.
0: Awesome. I'm going to check it out for sure. What's your favorite
1: quote? Oh, uh, I, I have to give this to my dad. He always said, a fool and their money are easily parted. And yeah. so what it means is be educated. Don't be a fool with your money. Don't be ignorant. Don't say I don't know and I've got my blinders on and my blinkers on I can't see. Go out and be self-educated. Invest in some self-education about financial financial literacy and financial IQ. So don't be a fool.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. What's your favorite thing to do when you're not working?
1: Surfing. I love surfing. I'm a big... The reason I don't live in Austin, Texas and I live in Los Angeles (laughs) It's it's a direct shot back to Australia. It's one flight, but two, I'm... You know, I'm surfing two or three times a week. So yeah, yeah love awesome. it. So how can our listeners find you? Easiest way to go is to readgoosens.com. That's R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S.com. Everything's there. My podcast, my books, videos, whatever you, whatever you want. And, and I can also offer your investors, or your, investors, your listeners, if they're ever coming through LA and they want to meet up for a coffee or a beer or just say day and talk shop, you can always email me at info at reedgoosens.com. I'm always always keen to meet up and, and say good day. So so yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll definitely end up taking you up on that the next time I'm in LA. Awesome. Reed, it has been a great show. It's been inspirational, educational. I'm I'm so excited we had you on. And I really look forward to keeping in touch with you and and, and having you on again down the road so we can hear part two of this phenomenal story that you
1: have mate thank you so much for for having me on and you're doing an awesome job so so keep at it persistence big fella (laughs) awesome thanks
0: thanks for tuning in to the rent roll radio show brought to you by cressworth capital we hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review you can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at CrestwordCapital. Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or Sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week
1: to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.